Hi and welcome. My name is Joseph Berry and welcome to the Great Design League podcast. Currently, I'm working as a freelance experience designer and I'm really excited to be on this call with Emily right now. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks so much for being willing to, to hang out with me. Um, we were chatting a little bit before about uh, about and or just getting to know each other and everything. And uh, I'm, I was really excited to talk to you. Uh, specifically because uh, I talked to a couple of my friends um, in Webflow and, and everything like that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this guy, Joseph, he's really nice. Uh, all, like I, all the stuff that I see online is really cool. And they're like, you're, you're what? You're talking to him? Really? Like, I love that guy. And it was like, I think maybe like 10 of my friends were like, hey, I took his class. And my friends are like from all these different places around the world. And I was mm. like, Everybody knows this guy. <laughs> I know it's this. It's a little bit. <laughs> thanks, anyway. I mean, it's uh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit surreal when you kind of say them things, you know. And I guess over time, it's just been really interesting to kind of see that kind of connection of people knowing me and knowing what I do. And I think the heart of that really started off with when I started kind of YouTube and kind of put myself out there as kind of a a creative a designer you know and also this kind of teacher vibe um and that built up a little bit of a really nice following from from that instance but I you know things have changed been kind of really really busy so I've slacked a little bit on that but again continue to try and help the community out where I can and also you know with the courses you mentioned that's I mean that's blown my mind with the amount of support how many how much I've how many people have actually took the course um (laughs) and just general the the general feedback from speaking to people and hearing what they thought about it you know it's it's tricky doing a course because you know you kind of want to cater for everyone but you know for what the kind of niche that I was really trying to focus on it was you know really looking at how we could take animation and interaction to that next level and yeah it's just been been a great kind of roller coaster of how I've got to where I am now is it um is it still strange to this day when people reach out to you and they're like oh my gosh like it I love the stuff that you make or anything like that Mm. yeah it is (laughs) and I get lots of different kind of you know strange requests people asking me for a small piece of advice I had a, a guy reach out to me today he's doing something for his uni college and he was like oh, I'd love to have like a quote from you explaining why I know code tools you know are so good and I Ooh. you know I just it was quite interesting and you know I, I responded and I give him a little quote and kind of give him my little summary of Webflow and, and what I think about it so yeah it's it's great and I, and I you know I do try and respond to as many as possible but you know it's just very very difficult depending on what they're asking and how detailed it is and you know how much I have to kind of step away from from what I'm doing and that's been the tricky bit for me recently uh and kind of this year I I really want to try and be back around the community and helping out a little bit more it's it's yeah it's it's a bit of a a, a juggling act with kind of <laughs> the demand of what I have to do and, and the kind of projects that I've got on so it's yeah it's always quite tricky it, sometimes when um when people reach out to me about the podcast or something like that um it's kind of weird because I kind of forget 
that um it's like out there <laughs> like <laughs> like i i there's there's numbers and stuff like that but every once in a while like somebody from i don't know maybe like pakistan or someplace like that is like hey listen to your podcast like, my voice was like making noise all the way yeah. over there <laughs> that like somebody was listening to me that's so weird <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Um, it's one of them things, isn't it? It's like you know when you get recorded like on a video and you watch yourself back and you're like, "Oh, that's so bad. That's so cringy." <laughs> really, <laughs> and that kind of reminds me of the course because that was just again one of them things. It was like a lot of people going to be watching this, <laughs> like you know, and and you know, obviously when you watch people on YouTube and you see you know some people get you know like really into it and they kind of have this kind of almost presenter tone and you know they kind of do all these little fun things and I just yeah I think for me it was just trying to be like a bit cool just keep it natural as possible and just try and be you and sometimes that's difficult when you know that there's going to be people watching I can't tell you like I'm I'm sure you probably feel the same but yeah I can't tell you the number of times that after a podcast like for the next couple of days I'm like wincing at things that I remember that I said or did or mm. anything like that yeah them little cringy moments <laughs> and it, then it, no one else notices no no they don't it's, it's normally you notice you're like, oh why did I say that and I you know with the process again I keep going to revert revert back to the course because it's kind of going through some of them scenarios it was like when I was having to like record a certain section and I'd get halfway through it and I would just say something really like <laughs> stupid and I'd like oh no I've got to stop it I need to stop and I'd stop and I'd think right I can't say that word or I can't phrase it like that because again it was just you know I had to try and be quite clear in what I was saying but as it went on I kind of got into a bit of a rhythm um and that it, it helped and then you know I kind of went through things a little bit in my head before I started pressing the record button and I kind of had a little bit of a plan um, but still kept it quite free because I wanted it to feel quite natural and it almost feel like you're just sitting there working with me and and to be honest I built I not well I obviously pre-built the course and then I kind of rebuilt it as I was recording it but when we got onto the animation parts that was pretty much like off the cuff and I was doing that as I was going along because I think that you could really see some of my excitement coming through as I was starting to build it out and actually uh I've been doing some kind of one-to-ones with some of the students so I wanted to do like a testimonials reel um and I've been speaking to a few people and um I actually spoke to I've got got a name here um I should really remember because I've been chatting to her it's very rude of me but uh, Melissa Delmar Mendez um yeah, she she said that she loved that, that you could see me kind of getting excited as I was moving through the course. And it was because I was actually doing it. Um, and my ideas that I had kind of thought about in design were actually kind of coming to fruition and actually looking good. Uh, and that's, I think, one of the beauties of, of Webflow. You know, you can just kind of jump in there and who knows what, what could happen. And you could have a plan and you don't need a plan, but it's it's such a versatile tool um i i had this i thought in my head that i wanted to ask you that you might be able to relate to because you and i kind of come from similar 
college points. So I, I, I saw that you studied graphic design in college, right? Yeah. And so w- when I was when I was in college uh, studying graphic design, um, uh, I, I loved almost everything. Um, and I knew that it was the closest thing to what I wanted to do. Um, but there was something missing and I didn't know what it was, which was very scary <laughs> because I didn't know how to fix that. And um, mm. uh, when I found Webflow and I found web design, user experience, all of these animations and stuff like that, I felt like the missing thing was like this breath of life in it. Mm. Did you feel that at any point? I think I'd have to agree. Yeah. Um, you know, I, if we go a little bit back from from school, from when I was at school, I was never kind of super smart academic kind of person. I was uh, terrible at English. I had dyslexia. Um, I used to have something that we called curriculum support, and that was for people that really struggled with, you know, English and maths. So I was never really an ac- academic kind of person, but I always had this just great interest for art and graphics and drama and, and cre- very, very creative side is where I kind of flourished and felt most comfortable. And um, I've always, always kind of wanted to know that I wanted to do something in that space. And like, obviously, as you saw, went through, I did obviously college, I focused on, you know, art and design, very basic kind of level when you're at kind of lower school. And then I went to college and I, I did uh, like what we would call A-levels over here in the UK and then obviously I went to uh, to university and did a degree on it. So I've just always gone through that full kind of process from the beginning to the end. And like you said, I liked everything. I liked fine art. I liked a bit of graphics. I liked drawing. I liked going on a computer and doing, you know, really basic Photoshop stuff and Illustrator. And, you know, there wasn't really a focus. It was kind of learning the fundamentals you know creativity and understanding different mediums and you know building up that kind of kind of I don't know essence of yourself of of what you like and what kind of things that you like doing but it never really gives you that focus and same like I come out of university and I really struggled to get a job for like a good while and I was thinking of doing like print because you know I'm, I'm a little bit older now and print job print was kind of still very kind of popular and lots of kind of jobs going around and you know print's still obviously a very big industry and there's still lots going on and stuff like that but yeah I just really struggled and I because I didn't have the experience and I'm sure we've all heard that same catch line I call it you know it's like yeah you want to get a job but they want you to have experience but if no one wants to give you the experience how do you get the job yeah <laughs> so it's like it's a real struggle at the beginning and you've got to be you've got to be dedicated you've really got to kind of think no this is what I want to do and my mum and dad after about a year of not getting a job they were like well why don't you go and work in a bar and I was like no I'm, I'm not doing that I haven't mm. done extra studies I haven't gone to university to be working in a bar no offense to anyone that works in a bar but I, I was quite adamant that like <laughs> uh, this is what I wanted to do yeah and it, fi- it did finally finally happen and it was it was really weird because it was for uh, uh it was for actually for a woman's fashion brand and it was working in the digital side so doing like email marketing and updating banners and doing small pieces of creative for the website and basically maintaining it um so that was like my first ever <laughs> ever job and that was it when I kind of 
started uh you know finding out about that and and going into that digital side it's kind of where it really took off uh, and that was pretty much the start when you were talking about wait so before I go into that I I went through all of the different uh companies that you worked for and like checked out all their websites and everything like that I have in my mind the Alex and Alexa one but I know that's the children's brand one right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah which one was the woman's fashion brand that you worked for that was coast um, Coast, that might yeah. be called the Rumor Fashions. Uh, they're, they're under a, 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 an umbrella, uh, and that was like what, obviously what we would call client side. And I think when I started, I always knew that I wanted to be agency side, but I had to get myself into the door. And as I said, after like a year and a half of get trying to get a job, when I finally got this job, I was obviously over the moon, regardless. <laughs> You know, uh, even if it was for a woman's fashion brand, and I, like I remember going for my first day, and because obviously it was a woman's fashion brand, there was like 120 people, and you know, like 90 percent were women. <laughs> so there was only like three or four guys in the whole agency. So it was like, yeah, it was <laughs> it was fun, obviously, but lots of kind of girls and doing like fashion stuff and <laughs> I, I was just excited and um it was it was a great environment actually I, you know I know there's that stereotype of women can be a bit you know they can get a bit cagey with each other and you know mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff but it, it really wasn't it was like a it was like a really big kind of family and I really got into it like I understood about you know bandos and maxi dresses <laughs> and that kind of stuff so I really got really? into that yeah, like they, we would go down to, they had cutting rooms downstairs and we would go, I'd go down and watch them while they were cutting garments and ask them how they were doing it and re- like really understood the product as well. I used to go wow. into the shops and see how that they would sell because they were quite expensive dresses. They would range from anything from like a hundred pounds, anything up to like 600 pounds. So, wow were quite expensive garments well made very very well made like the quality of them was was top um they obviously had a really like they had their own design team there that actually designed all the garments the patterns the fabrics everything so it was a real kind of full end-to-end process in there where they would create uh, you know design create and then actually send it to production um and I kind of really got into to all of that and that was that was kind of me yeah Huh. Uh, when you were talking about um, high, like early before college and everything like that, this is kind of like going way back in time. Um, but you said that you were interested in art and and graphics, all these things. When you were younger, kind of in elementary school age and stuff like that, what did you like naturally gravitate towards? What what kind of things were you interested in? Drawing drawing I, I always used to draw yeah and I was really I was what we call like a reference drawer I was very good at looking at something and then being able to draw it on the piece of paper that I'm looking at and I used to do just like doodles and you know funny little characters and I would do a bit of painting and yeah I always I always really kind of like that and then and then I was always kind of really into sport and I you know did lots of different sports and actually uh I I another little kind of sidestep to that and in sport and probably a lot a lot lot of people know about me is 
uh, I play ice hockey and I played ice hockey for, for 20 years. Really? Um, I watched the Mighty Ducks when I was about <laughs> nine years old. And I was like, shit, I want to play ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Mighty Ducks, 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 you know, and uh, love, love the film. Again, I should probably do a website on the, on the, on the Mighty Ducks because it's, it's actually <laughs> another film that really resonated with me. Obviously, The Goonies, which we, which we know about. But um, yeah, and, and that was it. And then I, when he played ice hockey, and I've only just recently kind of slowed down a little bit on ice hockey. You know, I've, I'm, I'm a new father, um, and that's obviously takes up a lot of time. And then in the UK, the ice rinks are not so close, so there's a lot of travelling. Um, so you lose your weekends and stuff like that. But, yeah, so l- love the sport, absolutely love it. Um, and I will probably step back on the ice at some point <laughs> and, and probably skate again. What What draws you – well, first of all, I suck at skating like so bad. I, I would go skating. My two sisters uh, used to take figure skating classes. And um, just because we were a, a trio, um, my mom would like take all of us skating. Um, and she would like do her work in like the lounge area. And then we would go get like babysat by the ice rink by just like going around there. And I, I was so bad at it. Um, so first of all, the skill of being able to play ice hockey is just like incredible to me. Um, but uh, what what do you get out of uh playing ice hockey like is there certain things that um are are just like super fun is it like spending time with other people the game itself I think a combination of everything that you've said yeah I mean the sport is in terms of its skill and this kind of ability that you need to be able to actually play ice hockey it's it's not something that everyone plays or can play and I love that. I love, especially because I'm from England, everyone plays football or mm-hmm. you, with your blasphemy, call it soccer. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, everyone played football. And I did play football. But then once I, once I found ice hockey, I was like, no, I'm, I'm playing ice hockey. And I used to just love telling people like, oh, what sport do you play? And I would like to play ice hockey. And they're like, wow, that's like really <laughs> cool. And I'm like, yeah, like it really is. And yeah, like it's a great team sport. Um, it's really good for kind of sportsman aggression, like really understand you because it is quite a physical sport, but it, it shows you that real kind of gentleman aspect of more physical combat sports, you know, where there's there's a line and you don't really cross that line and you try and keep it as fair as possible. You know, I'm sure you understand that ice hockey can get a little bit wild. Um, so- <laughs> not always the most friendliest sport to play and you know you've got to be kind of confident in yourself and but yeah it's it's just a it's just a great game in general and there's just so much about it Uh, and being with a team also is is a great buzz as well it's a bit like what we call rugby guys the rugby guys in in UK are yeah they're a bit like they're a bit crazy and I know the hockey guys are a bit (laughs) They're a, bit, they're, they're a crazy bunch of guys, you know, it's a lot of testosterone and yeah, a lot of phys- physicality involved, but yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good fun. It's good fun. Um, something, so I, I used to, um, I didn't really do a ton of sports in, in elementary school or growing up. Uh, I think I did a sport every year. Like it was, there was a softball at one point and then soccer, football, um, <laughs> 
and uh, all of these other things that I did. Um, and I didn't have one that was consistent until I went to college and I was a coxswain on a rowing team. Um, and I didn't uh, realize the kind of um, uh, the mentality that you had until I was there. And it was very strange because it was kind of the first time that I was doing something where that's literally the only thing I could think about um, was steering the boat, making sure we didn't run into a bridge, focusing on like what number we're on and stuff like that. Um, do you do you get that too, where this is just the one thing that I'm focusing on and uh, it's just a mindset shift? I think that's like anything in 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 life is having some sort of drive and dedication and kind of obsession. They always say, you know, having an obsession obsession is 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 good if you can focus it on the right tool or the right thing that is actually going to take you somewhere forward or to that next step. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely had an obsession with playing hockey. Obviously, in the in the early years of playing it. You know, as I said, I played for 20 years. That's a long, long time. And I've never had a break. Like, I never stopped. Some yeah. years I got a bit like, mm, I'm getting a bit like, I'm getting a bit bored. I might need a little bit of a break. And I had little breaks in between, very small. But then I, I got the buzz again and I was like, oh, I need to be back on the ice. And that's that's how, I guess, my art and graphics and 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 design has, has been out through my life. Again, same. Um, I've kind of been a person where I get... I get a bit obsessed with things and I, I've got ADHD. So I'm very, you know, one minute I'm on this, next minute I'm on that. Then I'm looking at doing this and, and I, and I kind of jump around with lots of different things, but I've been very focused on sport and obviously my design, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, I think that's how you need to be, especially with design. You need to kind of, you know, that eat, sleep, repeat kind of thing. Uh, but I've kind of been a person where I've not rushed it. And I say this to a lot of people, especially new people that are kind of starting out is, you know, I know we all want to be the best and we want to be doing the best work. And we want to be, you know, we want to want to think we want things to look right. And we kind of, we go in that whole kind of phase of like looking at other people and, Oh, I wish I could do what they do. And da, da, da. and I always say to everyone, it takes time. It takes time, you know, it's, I've been doing it in the industry for over a decade to be where I am today. And that's taken time. And I, as I said, I've been a person that kind of, you know, I'll go, I'll put my head down a bit, then I'll kind of lift up and mess around for a bit and, you know, have a bit of a kind of divert on something else. And then I come back to it and then I go again. And I think that just means that you, you know, if you try and hit it hard and just keep going and going and going and going, you're just not going to give yourself kind of a bit of a break so that when you come back into it again, you've got that same energy and that same drive to go through different things. And yeah, I may have taken a little bit longer than some people, but I feel like I've actually matured in a more progressive way rather than trying to rush and get that point where you think that you want to be, but actually that's it's not where you need to be. So my advice has always been to people that are new into the game, just take your time. There's so many different aspects that you can learn. You know, UX, UI, animation, interaction, prototyping, 
development, front end, back end, you know, design systems. Oh, the list goes on, you know, and it's <laughs> ever changing and ever evolving. So it's like you, you need to take your time because you need to really understand them to a good level so that you become a really well-rounded designer. Or if you want to be a developer, your route would be slightly different. But again, there's still so many things that you could learn. And I think that's it. Go through, get the basis, get the foundation of that core pillar and then move on to something else or kind of simultaneously work between one or two or three, depending on how adventurous you want to get. But I think if you try and take it all too much, you won't you won't absorb it because another fundamental principle of what I say is is repetition, repeating muscle memory and (laughs) your brain becoming like an encyclopedia of kind of ideas and things that you've done and things that you've tried that it naturally becomes a lot easier to kind of put pen to paper over time when you first start you're like oh what do I do do (laughs) no you're very indecisive you don't necessarily know what's the right thing to do because you haven't you haven't had that time to go through all of these different ups and downs. Uh, so yeah, it would be take your time, repeat, 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 and just kind of soak it all in and, and try not to take too many things on and, and really become like very, become confident in that one space and then start trying to add more badges uh, to your kind of uh, reef. <laughs> That that sounds a little bit like um, all right. So uh, sometimes when I when I think about that kind of stuff, uh, I go back and think about um, how th- that kind of s- kind of slowing down and taking your time and really trying to figure out all of these different things, figure out what you actually want to do, and all of that kind of stuff. It reminds me of this phrase that I say a lot, which is um uh if I got everything that I wanted exactly when I wanted it in life, um, if I I got that job that I wanted when I was in high school and I, I thought that this is how I, my life was going to be and I was going to do all of these different things, um, if I got everything that I wanted exactly when I wanted it, I probably wouldn't be that happy <laughs> or I probably wouldn't be as happy as I am now. And so it kind of makes me think about what you said, where like taking your time and trying to like actually... Um, be open to all these other things that you don't even know exist yet um it makes me wonder if uh if you feel that way too yeah I think yeah I think that's that's exactly kind of what I said it's just about taking that time and and really finding out what you like and and, and at the early stage it's like try everything you know try all these different niches do you want to become solely a UX designer do you want to become a solely UI designer? Do you want to be a product designer? Do you want to be a, uh, a creative designer? Uh, you know, there's so many different avenues that you could kind of go into a, a niche and it's about it, ex- exploring that and understanding it. Like I know, I know UX, I would say pretty well. Um, I'm not a UX designer. And I think that again, there's like being an understanding between the two. So I, I think they, I think they blend in, to, in people's eyes, they blend together like they're one thing, your UX and UI, which you are effectively. But when you actually really break down, actually looking at what a proper UX designer would do, 
it's completely it's probably completely different to what you're actually doing you know really understanding data really making informed decisions personas testing all of these different kind of fields that sit inside of ux design you know i i always like to make it clear that these are two very separate kind of fields and they mm-hmm. need to be respected because they they both warrant a lot of skill to be able to really be, say I'm a UX designer or I'm a UI designer or I'm an experienced designer, um, and that's yeah just something that I I kind of the way the way that I see it. When um, when you were graduating college from graphic design and, and you were applying to all of these jobs and everything like that. Um, if if you could have like chosen how your life was going to pan out and everything like that, what do you think uh, you th- you thought was going to happen? Because it sounds like you um, you learned all of these things that you didn't know then, and now you're doing something slightly different or maybe just enhanced or new. Um, but yeah, my question is like, who did you think that you were going to be? I mean, <laughs> who did I think I was going to be? Mm. Uh, I, I don't. I don't really have a, a kind of set answer on that. I think you know. I always knew that it was going to be something creative. I didn't have the brains to do anything academic, so I always knew it was going to be in something creative. Um, I think my natural progression through college into uni kind of shaped me into that digital form. You know, I'm at the age where computers were really starting to come in. You know, we had very early days of Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. Um, and there was another one that we used, but I can't remember the name of it. Um, shame on me. I should remember it. Um, Is it Adobe? No, it wasn't. It's, it was another old, um, it was another old kind of print focused huh. um, tool. Can't think of the name. I'm sure... <laughs> People that are listening may know what what I'm talking about if they're old enough. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think I like computers and I like computer gaming as well. And I think, you know, as I said, as I just started progressing through that, I kind of started leaning more into that digital space. And then when I started to really understand that like website stuff a little bit more, I was like, yeah, like this is really cool. I really like this. Um, and I felt with my kind of creative side, that would obviously be really beneficial. But then, as you know, with web design, you know, my core principles, again, always kind of fall under this kind of base of a design system, hierarchy and principle and reason in in decisions that you're making uh, and finding that balance between being creative but also being functional. Yeah. Uh, And and again, from my perspective, I see a lot of it on, especially your AAW awards and creative sites, you know, that kind of gets lost a little bit where it's too much about trying to be too crazy or Mm -hmm. do things that are kind of very unnatural um, where I try and find that middle ground of focusing on what I call brilliant basics. Uh, Do you know what like brilliant basics are? Have you heard that term? That's the first time I heard that. Brilliant basics. It's a great term. Um, it's really to do with kind of the fundamental principles of how we see uh, websites 
um, uh, and the functionality of websites. So like the position of a search bar, where the burger menu might sit, um, um, how we do filters. They're defined in a very set way that a user over the time now has learned that design pattern. So it's so intuitive that they can look at that and they instantly know. And they don't necessarily need to be even in the digital space. They can Mm. just be a normal, typical user. And we call that brilliant basics because it is fundamentally the the, the brilliant basics. It's, it's, (laughs) it's, you put it down on a, you put it down in a design, your user is going to understand what that is. And it's using them core fundamentals. And a lot of, you know, your top um, agencies or top, um brands apple well obviously being one you know how they do a lot of what they do is is based on a lot of them brilliant basic fundamentals yeah and that's why it it works it's kind of ingrained in us you can obviously break them rules and again that's that fine line (laughs) between when should you break it when should you try something different but you you always kind of should start at that brilliant basic starting point and then look to evolve or try something that is going to elevate that and it could be through animation could be through interaction still could be a really simple burger menu but the Mm -hmm. way that you introduce it the way that it opens out the way that you've laid the links out you know that can make it feel really different and really unique so it doesn't necessarily need to be like you have to destroy this um and that's again goes back to that point i want to make something that looks great i want to make something that feels kind of alive and immersive but I don't want to break that fundamental principle of making it functional and and, and usable yeah I I do these uh just as a hobby I do these website reaction videos to um uh like awards.com or apps or there's one I'm thinking I'm going to do one over about a packaging thing where I record myself opening it up and like what all the stuff looks like and uh yeah, I, I, I've seen stuff that um, I'm so impressed on the thing that they've made that they've been able to pull it off. But when it comes to like the, the purpose of the website and the goal of the website, you start thinking, this is actually kind of hard to use. Like, it's cool just like the first time that you interact with it. It's so impressive. It's so cool. Everything is beautiful. But if you are, you have to use that website on a regular basis to try to get something or accomplish some goal, sometimes it's really hard. So seeing stuff that's both beautiful and functional and has those basics, um, it's, it's impressive on a totally different level. <laughs> yeah. That's that balance. You've got to find that balance. <laughs> yeah. So, um, before uh uh ux and everything like that um uh graphic design isn't always something that like kids like even know the term of in like mm. elementary school middle school and stuff like that um and i i have a little short funny story for you um about how i first figured out what graphic design even was um i i used to listen to these um these ted talks on on podcasts like that's when I started listening to podcasts was I found out that they had them on Apple podcasts and I found out Apple podcasts was even a thing and so I was listening to that and I was like oh these are cool stories and then uh, I was trying to find another one where it was just stories and I found design matters with Debbie Millman and um, it it's a 
uh, an older, not older podcast, but it's been around for like 10 years. And the first one that I listened to was Michael Beirut's episode from Pentagram. And um, he talked about the, uh, um, like his first experience seeing, I think it was like some sort of forklift company and they managed to get like the forklift logo into the letters. And he thought it was like the most creative thing ever when he was a kid and he asked his dad what that was and his dad said oh that's graphic design he said that's a job you can do that that's amazing (laughs) and then my my experience having that like little moment as a kid was um the FedEx truck parked in front of my driveway and I was kind of like standing there and I was like I went up to my two sisters we were playing basketball and I pointed to the little arrow between the the E and the X and I was like do you see that and my sister's like stop touching this man's truck leave him alone <laughs> but I was like this is so cool don't you see how clever this is and then I found out that graphic design was like even a thing that you could do related to businesses and stuff like that so that's that's Michael's story and that's my story um I, do, do you have a moment where you even learned that this was a thing that you could do uh, yeah well, I mean my story would obviously kind of be a little bit different I think my graphics at school like in in what we call secondary school was like we'd have this clip like it was like a clipboard and <laughs> it had like a ruler that you could like snap on and like move around and it would like you know, you would do what we would call more technical drawings, kind of graphic design drawings. It would probably be more focused on, like, products. Like, if you was, like, you wanted to, like, draw a box, like, it perspective and stuff like that. It, like, that was what we got at school, right? And it was, like, <laughs> circles with, you know, like the... Yeah, yeah. You know, like the, <laughs> and you spin that round and it was, like, rulers and, and different. You know, it was kind of, like, very technical, and I was just like, I, at first I was like, like, I wasn't really sure what it was. And to be <laughs> honest, I just, I just thought it was another form of drawing. Because uh, obviously it was just like pencil, rubber and stuff like that. And then we kind of used it in kind of pollination with like what we had, like wood tech. So like, you know. When oh, you really? Stuff, yeah, like we had classes where we would make stuff. Like we, sometimes we do ceramics or we do we do like wood tech where we build things and, you know, do kind of basic carpentry and stuff like that. But we would sometimes do the drawings before. So we would draw something up and then we would go in and we would try and make it like we'd use uh, plastics, you know, like that, them kind of plastic sheets and you can cut them out oh, and you yeah. kind of saw that like the band saw. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and that was kind of like the very first initial kind of like graphics thing. And that was obviously, obviously at school, but I don't know. I didn't really kind of realise m- more of that until I got into college. Because mm. at school it was kind of, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was kind of some very basic things and it wasn't really like graphic design. It was only until I went to, so I say got out of school and went to college. And that was where like, I really started to kind of learn like graphic design and everything that I did when I did it was all on paper <laughs> so like <laughs> like proper old school so we'd create like big a1 like mural boards where we would go through and we would do the different kind of sketches or do you know use different mediums we would create textures and patterns maybe we'd use fabrics 
Um, and we'd create these big like collage boards and then we'd kind of refine and go through and we'd, like really, really like using the, the, the kind of core fundamentals of graphic design, you know, pencils, pens, uh, you know, uh, crayons, watercolours, <laughs> paints, and just kind of tasks on, on different kind of things. Um, God, I can't even remember some of the stuff that I did. <laughs> But we would like have like folders and folders full of like sheets of all these different kind of creative explorations. And then again, that would break out into other little things. So we do fine art as well with graphic design. Um, and then we, again, we do something that was a little bit more um, like where you're making stuff as well from what you're actually designing and building. So it was again, a bit more cross the board, but it was, it was really like, the fundamental kind of early stages of using all of these different kind of creative outputs and no computers. I, I, <laughs> I barely touched, I barely touched the computer at college. Um, really? So that kind of shows you how long ago it was. They didn't have them. They didn't have them. They obviously couldn't, uh, couldn't afford them um, to have. Oh. They had a, they had a room with some computers in there, but we, we kind of really used it. And that was when I first uh, started kind of, Oh, that was the first time I saw a Mac. Like the first time I ever really? saw a Mac, and I was like, yeah, and I was like, "What is this?" It was you know like the big, <laughs> the big screen ones that had the color on, you know the big the ones, like, ones. Yeah, the curved yeah, screen. Yeah. One of them, and I remember walking in this room, and I was like, "Whoa, what are these? Like, look at all the colors." It's like I've never seen anything like it because obviously they're all like that boring yellow kind of whitey grey, weren't they? And like, oh no, you might not remember, <laughs> and like big brown king, like that. They just looked like just a big dark black screen and then there was this like colorful thing and then yeah and, and then we got to like play around with it on a couple of classes and we were again doing some really really basic basic things and then that's when I was like oh, I, need, I need to get a computer I need to like need to <laughs> kind of get on the get on the technic tech, technology side and I managed to get, uh, and I saved up after a while and I got the MacBook with a swivel screen. You remember the one with the swivel screen? That had like a big, yeah, it had like a, it had like a, like a, almost like a um, half circle was the base. And then it had like a pole that was like the arm that you could move around. And it was like, it was free. again, oh, it was like, I think weird, so. Yeah. Really cool design. I think it was after. So that was the second one after the big screen one. Um, if you search it up, you'll, you'll, you'll see, you'll see the one I'm talking about. <laughs> But um, yeah, and that was that was literally my first ever Mac, and I remember getting Photoshop on it, and I was I had Illustrator, and I was I was like living the dream, it's like trying things, and that and that's when I really kind of started learning the tools, is what we say, learn really understanding the tools, and started off with you know as I said, really super basic stuff, and some of the stuff that I guess we all did when we first started was absolutely rubbish, and. You know, you'd look at it now and probably cringe big time and think, oh, my God, did I really do that? Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's like I said, it's one of them things. And uh, over time, it gets better. But, yeah, that's kind of a little story about how that kind of kicked off for me. I remember using Photoshop for the first time. And I remember thinking, wow, like this is magic. <laughs> this is the coolest thing ever did, did did that feel like that to you because some of it is like so seamless and works so well that you're like how I don't know what else to call this other than like this seems like magic yeah it, no yeah 100% I think 
when you first start using it. And you start, I think it's when you start to kind of understand what to do. At the first, you're like, oh my God, where do I go? When did I click? What did I click last time? How did I do that thing that I did last time? Oh, I can't remember. And then you're like searching or you're fine trying to find an old file that you had so you could look to see what you did. Um, but then once you kind of get to grips with it, you're like, yeah, this is this is really good. And oh, I wonder how they do that. And then that's, again, whole exploration. And I think that story, I mean, for me, that story is, kind of simultaneously with Webflow, but I think the Webflow moment is, I, I think it's the, one of the biggest kind of wow moments that you could have with any piece of software. I, I've never had anything, you know, and I'm sure it's very similar to everyone else when they first realise what Webflow can do. And you're like, <laughs> I, was skept- I was skeptical at first. I didn't really... Mm. Um, I, I learned HTML and CSS again. That was another little part of my kind of journey. I like I, when I started designing, I was like, oh, I want to be able to like build this. And I decided that, you know, I would give, um, give going like building it out and, and learning HTML and CSS. And that just became a, a struggle again. I, I did quite well because I, at the end of it, after about two years, I really did kind of, understand HTML and CSS so that it wasn't bad but it was a painful painful process and then my friend was like you should try Webflow and I looked at it and I was like no I'm not trying that and I was like that's one of them WYSIWYG things (laughs) you thought it was yeah I was like oh I'd seen a lot of this stuff and it was early days and I was obviously from when I joined, I like joined in 2015 for Webflow. So I was really early at, the, at their journey. It wasn't their earliest, earliest point, but I was, I was right at their kind of starting moments. And I, I played around with it for a bit. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. And then I come back and I played around with it a bit more. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is quite good. And then... I got. Uh, I came back again, and I was just. Then I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "This is <laughs> unbelievable!" And I was like, "What am I doing?" I was like, "I'm not even going to code anymore." I was like, "Bye!" I just completely just went <laughs> right. That's it. I'm not. I'm not learning that anymore because this is what I'm going to learn. This is what I'm going to to become a master at. Um, and then I got involved with the animations and that was when it was interaction (laughs) 1.0 and I was just more and more just getting more and more excited and just blown away with what it could do and I'm sure this story is the same as everyone that really uses Webflow when they really find out they put their ego to the side depending on where they come from if they're like newbie or fresh and that you just jump into it you're just going to be blown away but I didn't because I was did coding. I'd worked in the industry. It was like you know, it, it there is that stigma. There, mm. I don't think there's that stigma now. I think developers are actually realizing how powerful this tool is, um, and really showing the benefit from a business perspective, not just well as an output perspective. Um, and I think that's where it's really starting to swivel heads a little bit but I remember the first times when I was like 
working with our developers and I was like, yeah, yeah, we should try and use Webflow. And they were like, yeah, Webflow. Uh, what's that or whatever. And, you know, they, they <laughs> you got to think these people have spent lots of time, like, you know, mm. learning their craft and learning how to really code and doing everything semantically and put in some real effort. And, you know, this kind of builder thing comes along and, you know, it's, they're going to be like, mm, yeah. And, you know, obviously there is obviously still going to be developers that would, would say that, you know, this is not the best or the most efficient way or, or whatever, whatever their reasons may be. But I think what Webflow can do, I mean, you could pretty much do better than what some developers do. <laughs> <laughs> so again, that's where it's like, it's how you use that tool um, and how you can really, really push it. So Again, over time, it's been like five years, six years now that I've been using Webflow. Um, and that, again, is where I've got to with Webflow is all just been about playing around, trying things, practicing, and just doing stuff. And, and again, that would be the same advice that I would give anyone. Um, just keep trying, playing around. You never know what you're going to stumble with. You know, There's loads of things. The course has got loads of them kind of things where I like... I was like on a project and I was like, I want to be able to do this, but I don't want to do, I don't want to get external code. I'm very, very strict with trying to bring in anything that's external. I want to keep everything inside of the box. Um, And I think that's a good thing. As we know, having limitations and restrictions is a great thing with design and with building in Webflow. I think them, them limitations are actually advantages in some way because it really makes you think but I think you have to get on that pattern of thinking with Webflow how you can really use it um, and and as I was saying going back to some of the things that I've been working on and I was just sitting there and I was like how am I going to get this to work how how can I fudge it or how can <laughs> I like create a bit of a smokes and mirrors but still achieve something that's you know, it might be like uh-huh. duplicating the same element and hiding one and doing something with it. And, you know, to the out user, it just it seems seamless and it doesn't seem like they wouldn't have a clue how you manage to kind of get something to work. And that was kind of what I would do. I would kind of just solve then little build issues or problems that I would have and find them little techniques like the double div wrap technique where you can like animate in and then parallax it because you can't apply both of them interactions to the same div. Mm. Um, span text, wrapping elements in the span text so you can actually animate individual letters or words, um, using things in div hides so you can reveal, using like just divs with like colours so you can use wipe effects and like loads of little things uh, that are just came from just trying to explore it, you know? That when when you talk about that, I I remember um your uh the the filmmaker website that you made um with the oh, music um, um, Michael Murphy yeah I, and I remember uh like before we we met I was doing I was looking at all of your stuff and everything and I was on that website and I just kept on going through it and I said how the hell do you do this this is amazing. And and I could uh, I could tell that um, anybody that that made this this sort of thing um, 
has to be like personally into it in in my mind if you like there's no way you can you can make that um if this is just like a job to you i feel like there's so many things that that were just so amazing about it that i was like it, it has to be like an integral part of like who you are and what you're passionate about i i think yeah that that project definitely summarizes the creative aspect of what i can bring to the table as well as the more logical design approach thinking that I also brought to that project. And that again is like the sweet spot, really. It's being super creative. The way that you can tell that the way that the story is told through that site. Um, and then also trying to make it as functional and easy as possible to kind of get through. Um, and yeah, I think that really shows off a lot of, my previous creative kind of side and all of them things that I probably did at college and uh, all of the stuff that's kind of ingrained into me, that that came, it felt like it came from me. The story came from me. I interpreted that story in the way that I did because it was almost like me telling that story in, in some way. Um, and I think, you know, I get on these really good flows sometimes where I just, you know, it's like anything that I throw down, is just like gold. And it's just like ideas are coming to me left, right. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm just in the zone with it. And that one was, I mapped it out in design. I, I did like a, like a whole Figma file, did a few rounds to get to the kind of final direction of where we wanted it. And then I mapped out the flow and, as I was designing, I was doing my process, as you've seen in the course, where I think about how I'm going to animate this as I'm designing so that when I go into build, I at least have some kind of starting point. Uh, as I said, for some people, it's going to be difficult to do that. So I would always say use a reference. And, you know, my advice with using references is not use a reference just to copy it. You know, mm. uh, you can do in places, but you you need to interpret that in a way that makes it kind of yours or in a way that you can own it in a way that you've pulled it off um and i think using reference is a really good thing for starting for people starting off or even people that are kind of intermediate having something there to kind of you know massage the idea mm, and it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that you definitely go with something like that but it could be a starting point that you lay that layer out and you go oh I just thought about this. I'm going to try a different version of that. Um, so that's where I used to start references and using that and then interpreting that in your own way. And again, with time, you're going to be able to kind of move that reference away a little bit more and just come from natural ideas and natural things that you've done before. And that's when it really starts to become a little bit more original because you're really kind of going from your gut rather than, oh, I've seen this and I really <laughs> want to redo this in some way. But, you know, look, it, it, you know, there's, there's no original ideas, really. It's very difficult to create original ideas. So references is always a good place to start. Use that and then see how you can, you know, push it, evolve it, make it into something maybe different um and i wouldn't be afraid of using references i know people you know i want it to be you know this and again going back to the, the brilliant basics brilliant basics and looking at you know it could be just 
a billion basic could be like doing a simple two up module, you know, like a 50 50 or a three up module. But the way that they've designed it, it's like really slick and nice. And it's like, that's just a simple module that we all know. But the way that it's been done in the design, it looks great. You know, and that's sometimes the other thing that you you don't really need to be uh, reinventing the wheel. You know, you don't have to like always do something that's completely um, new. Yeah. When, when... Oh, there might be some background noise there. <laughs> All good. <laughs> but but yeah, so I, I remember hearing um, uh, a lot of things like that, especially like in graphic design of uh, this, this kind of like push to sometimes like not really look at what other people do. Um, for fear of replicating it or um, Mm -hmm. even some people with music uh, they some people don't want to listen to people's music because they're afraid of recreating the same thing Um, Mm -hmm. and when I started like making it kind of like a weekly thing to really look at somebody's website on awards.com and and stuff like that doing that over like a couple months I started to just see similarities between websites and um, like packaging for some reason because if you think about it um i would look at a whole bunch of different um like fashion websites or so um and you could see how uh there were so many repeating elements like and and how if you boiled them down they had the same basic principles but just seeing how they made it unique yeah how they made it unique uh in each one even though like they have the shopping cart, they have the the item, the details about the item, the way that they um, uh, talk to you was just really just beautiful to see. Mm. I think that's 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 that that's that point that I made. It's it's, it's brilliant basics, isn't it? You know, yeah. It's, it's, it, that is subliminal. That is why brilliant basics is there because it's like you've seen this so many times but you can still be impressed with the way that it's been executed. Um, and I think that's something that people should adhere to when they, when they design, that they keep, keep some of that in there. And that's what's going to help to make it functional and usable, you know, not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, I wanted to point something out. Uh, when, when you were talking about, uh, like, design and ux and and animation all this kind of stuff uh like you were using your hands a lot you were like getting really into it and excited and uh um i saw in your face you were like opening up and uh you were you seemed really happy um do you ever think about um how that's that's not something that everybody has when they talk about what they do for a living yeah i mean i'm I think, I think we, well, most of us in in this industry would probably say, you know, um, we're very blessed to be able to do something that we absolutely love. Uh, I, yeah, obviously, as you know, I and can probably tell, I love what I do. I wouldn't be doing it otherwise, um, and that's why I've dedicated uh, probably half my life to to where I am and what I've been doing. I just, I. Yeah, like, I, I love it. I love everything about it. I love all the different aspects of it. You know, I'm not a master of all of them. Um, but it, I think it's it's 
changing it evolves and I love the fact that it's never kind of stagnant it's not like you know and again I don't take no discredit away from anyone that does any of these things like you know uh, a bricklayer or um, uh, electrician or a plumber you know there's quite a you know there's quite a fixed kind of process that once you kind of learn all of it then that's kind of it you know I'm, I'm sure there's probably aspects that change jobs are different you know they've got to do these slightly different things but the core kind of mechanics you know how to change a boiler how to fit a boiler there like that is always going to be identically the same almost but with design and ux and ui and development and software and all of this kind of stuff it just keeps evolving new software new techniques new processes new different kind of things new technologies and i love that and and what i always say to people when they are at work and you could probably see from my cv that you know I, i jumped around a little bit um because i have a couple of core principles that i think everyone should probably try and take and i'm not saying that you have to take these but this is what i how i always looked at at work you know because while on the outside it all seems glossy and fancy actually when you start working in places it's not always glossy and fancy (laughs) pretty boring tasks and you're doing some jobs that you probably don't want to be doing but that again is part of learning your craft when you're a junior you've got to kind of do them shit things and then (laughs) when you get a bit more midway and a bit more senior you will then have more control to to do that but so what I, what I was meant to say was that the three things or the couple of things that I really look at, as I said, I have jumped around a little bit, but for me, it's always about learning. Mm-hmm. So my rule number one would be, am I learning? Um, am I getting something out of this? When the job for me stops becoming challenging or interesting, um, that's kind of like, or is it time to move on? Obviously, the second one is kind of always going to be, you know, while we love what we do, we want to get paid for what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand the value that we bring and uh, understand how to appreciate what you do and the value that you bring. Because I think sometimes, again, when you're working in different agencies and you start to understand financial side and what people are earning and what what people are charging and what kind of work that you're doing uh and the results that you're getting if you're getting results and you're doing things that your clients are really happy about you know you need to kind of weigh that up and uh that would lead on to that kind of question of how much you're getting paid to do that and are what is what you're doing worth more than what you're getting paid now and that would then lead on to another point which would be uh, I don't know what the stigma like is in the US uh, but you know that kind of stigma around of asking for a raise or Mm. you know speaking to people to get new positions and stuff like that and I I've always been look you don't ask you don't get yeah Uh, and I think Again, when you're in some agencies, you you might not feel that you're like, you know, that like you might not get the encouragement or praise from your peers, your higher peers. And that kind of puts a bit 
uh, not a bit of doubt, but it's kind of like, um, they don't really care about me or, you know, I'm just, I'm just a, another number, you know, I'm just another number coming in to, to, to do a job. And I think, you know, when you start to have them, I'm not really learning. I'm not really learning from anyone. I'm not really getting anything out. It's not challenging me. I don't know if I really feel like I'm, you know, well represented and I don't feel like I'm appreciated. You know, I don't know if I'm getting the right money. I want, I want to go up, but there's no progression. Progression is also another one. Like, where's my path? Where am I going to get to the next step? You know, like that's, that's like, like get ready, like start thinking about moving on. Um, or asking that question and just say you know I will <laughs> I said to someone he, he he young junior guy he you know he's really talented really good and he'd been there for like two years and I, I just had a chat with him and he was like yeah like I, I don't know what to do they haven't really give, they said they were going to give me a raise and I said when did they said they were going to give you a raise and he was like this is like uh, like a year ago and I was like what you've waited another year and they haven't given you like I think it was like that to tell her like it was probably about six months he said it's been six months they kept putting it off and I said look this is what you've got to do I said you need to request a meeting with this person which was obviously like the lead of of, of the team and I said you need to say you want a raise and if if you don't get a raise that you you may potentially look to go elsewhere and he said, oh, I, I, I don't want to say that. I really don't want to say that. Really? I said, I said you, you need to let them know your intent. You need to say, listen, I, I've been here for two years. You were meant to give me a raise. You're not, you're not, you know, you, you still haven't. I, I, I have to make a decision where if you want to give me a raise, when can we actually get something sorted? If not, I'm going to go. And he, once he had that meeting, I, I, I kind of told him how to say it and what to say. And I said, this is my motto. Just ask. Now that, and then you know where you stand. If they're like, no, we can't do it. You're like, okay, I'm going. Like, that's always been my like. If I ask, wow. if I've been there for like a year and a half or a year and, I'm, and they're, not, they're not coming to me to ask for a raise, I've got to go to them and ask for a raise. And if they're not, you know, oh, yeah, we can, we can sort that out in the next, you know, month, two months and get get you the race because you you know you deserve it then it's like like go because you you'll make that jump and you'll get five six thousand thousand more than what you was getting previously and then you can you can get to that stage where you you've you've learned what you've learned at that job you've kind of you you know it then you know the ins and outs you've you've got what you needed you've earned a bit of money you've done some good things and 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 kind of move on and that's that's kind of how i i've done it um and not being afraid to ask. I think that a lot of that has to do with, um, I don't know, there, there's the, the confidence aspect. Like when it comes to, at least from an American standpoint, I tend to look at that stuff where I just do a ton of research about it beforehand. Like the amount of time that I've spent on Glassdoor and stuff like that. And, or sometimes mm. I would have these friends um, and I'm the kind of person that will just, uh, I'll just like call somebody up even if I don't really know them that well. I'm like, hey, like, what do you think about this? Do you think that I'm doing what I'm worth, all this kind of stuff? And and talking to those people really helped it seem a lot more objective um, mm. when, when you have those conversations. So like, okay, well, this is, this is what this task or this role is worth. This is what um, I'm being mm. paid. Let's kind of match them so that I'm at least like on this scale that exists 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I would say that's a, definitely a great, a great piece of uh, advice. There is approach it in that manner. Like, think about okay, how long have I been doing it for? What am I doing? Like, am I managing multiple projects? Am I dealing with a client? Am I taking reviews? Like, if you're doing these kind of things and you're not like, then then you you want to think about okay, so that's kind of like if you're like it's always classic like I'm a junior but I'm doing a midweights job Mm. when you're at that phase like you need to kind of just in your head work out okay oh I know that one of your other kind of work colleagues is in midway I'm doing similar things to them like you've got you've got ammo there (laughs) (laughs) I know that I'm doing similar to what X is doing but I'm not getting paid what X is X is doing. And it's just kind of mm-hmm. getting to that moment where you've, like you said, you've done a bit of research, you've understand what other people are doing and what they could potentially be earning. And and then that way, at least when you, if you get into some sort of negotiation talks with, with your, your, your company, then you can kind of be a little bit realistic with it. Um, but I've always, for me, like the best thing that's ever happened to me from a money aspect is always going to another job. <laughs> get offered a lot more um than getting a getting a raise you know sometimes it can work out in favor of getting a raise and that, and again for me it's that sign of when you ask that question you really get to see whether they where they value you because mm-hmm. if you get like a no you're kind of like oh okay I'm just a I'm just another part of the stepping stone or the way that they're structured is that they don't want to take you to the next level because their structure is they'd rather just have a junior and a senior and that's mm. it uh, yeah. and then that way you you, you kind of know like you're you, you you do that sprint and then you, you 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 take the exit so what happened with that that friend of yours that you uh rec- or that that person that you knew that you gave advice to uh he oh yeah that was yeah I didn't yeah he I mean he came back to me and they 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 pretty much offered him a raise straight away oh wow um uh yeah and he he got it I think he got it like literally a month or two after um after that happened uh and yeah he was he was like he was like super chuffed he was like oh thanks so much for like kind of giving me the kick in the ass to kind of go and ask them again (laughs) Because he'd asked them already like one or twice. And I said, no, but you need to go in there and you need to be a bit more like, here's option A, here's option B. If you want to keep me, put the money on the table. If not, I I go through the door. Uh, And I think sometimes it needs to be like that. We need to understand that, you know, this is business. uh, And I go back to that that kind of key principle. You don't ask, you don't get. A lot of these people (laughs) pop. They've got there because they've fought and climbed and asked and, you know, begged and d- done all whatever they need to get and obviously performed first and foremost. But, you know, there's there's a whole process to, to climbing that ladder and getting to where you want. And I think you did mention it earlier, but confidence is is kind of very crucial in all of these kind of situations. And, you know, confidence is not something that you can just have. Uh, or like you, know, you can't just buy confidence you need to kind of grow up and have it and kind of be a confident person in yourself and your ability and again that would probably come with time mm-hmm. um to be honest I've been always quite a noisy confident loud person. 
so uh it's it's it naturally easier for me but if there is people out there that are you know the kind of kind of people that just come in put their head down normally you know kind of quiet and just get on with their work mm-hmm. you know you're always the backbone of any business because you're the ones that just really just you know get in and you proper do your work and you and you 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 do everything for the company but you just don't sometimes maybe have that focal confidence to push into different spaces and and like no I want to work on that project and I want to be doing that and 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 Mm -hmm. coming forward and putting yourself forward more um and it's it, it is tricky because you you know again when you're in certain environments you know working with men you know you've got strong women you've got you know lots of confident people around you it can get very intimidating (laughs) I remember being a junior and going into meetings and talking with different creative directors and you know you get a bit like oh I don't know what to say and do I say this and do I say that and but again it goes it goes back to that point it's just kind of yeah try and break out on that thing and try and have your voice be heard I'm always one for you know there's no silly ideas there's no silly opinions always listen to what people are going to say does it make sense does it have value Uh, and and they're the kind of two kind of principles that I go on does it make sense and does it have value Uh, Mm -hmm. and does it have logic and reason and if it does then it's definitely a discussion point but if you're maybe a, a slightly quieter person just just remember that your voice is all is as important as well and normally mm-hmm. the quiet ones normally have very good ideas because <laughs> they're in themselves and they're in more mm. introvert they just find it difficult and I've always been this is one of the reasons why I love working in agency and again I'm I I'm a people's person I like to think I'm a people's person uh, where I like to bring the energy I've got a lot of energy I've very kind of dynamic kind of character when you work with me I make noises and sing and you know uh, generally create a bit of buzz and atmosphere around an office space and I always find you know you don't want to go to office and just sit there being like no one talking to each other no one communicating no one bonding no one having any laughs no one because ultimately listen we're spending pretty much all of our time with each other let's try and make this a little bit fun uh have a bit of banter you know have a few jokes and lift spirits and I think when you've got someone in the mix or a good leader that really brings energy and brings a voice for everyone I think that really helps the quieter people the more introvert people come out a little bit more because Mm. they feel part of something I think sometimes when you get into silos when you get into that environment when you're in a studio and like everyone's just kind of no one talks to each other like oh like pulling this person over like I would I would purposely pull over like a quiet junior designer and I'd go like oh what do you think of this like what, what would you do and like I would go over to him and I would look at his stuff and I would give him advice and uh, and encouragement encouragement's my biggest one I even you know people people when they stroke your ego is very nice you know? <laughs> and, and I think creatives being complimentary to each other is really good for that confidence that when someone actually does something good like yeah you nailed that like well well done for doing that like that small little 
small little gesture can really help people. Um, so my thing in that agency environment is bringing energy, communicating, chatting, just waffling, you know, anything to kind of get the group more together. Um, and then just trying to make the quieter individuals kind of grow a bit more maybe uh, and come out uh, and, and feel like they can be comfortable to say things or disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's when you get a bit more kind of real chemistry. Um, I, I mean, I've had some fantastic creative directors and I've got uh, one in mind who was probably the best creative director that I've ever worked with. Uh, his name's Gideon. Uh, Gideon Chiuk, he's worked at places like AKQA, huge. Um, wow. And he's worked on, yeah, like just some great clients, Nike and Googles and all of these kind of things. So great, great creative director. Uh, and uh, at first I thought it was going to be a bloodbath because he's a very particular kind of person. Huh. Uh, very direct. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> words he's not like he says it how it is if it's shit he'll tell you it's shit uh mm-hmm. and, and in some ways I actually prefer people like that and I think that's another way of kind of really being a, a good leader is being able to like be confident in the decision that you're giving but when we kind of first got together it was it was like he had a big ego I had a big ego, <laughs> both very kind of vogue, vocal kind of people. So it was like, it was like two rams coming together. Like, we're gonna have, we're gonna have a like, we're gonna have a, a, a fist off here, and <laughs> and uh, and then I, I think it's again, it's going back to like, not you know, drop drop the ego a little bit. And my moral kind of playing field with the way that I see designers of all, any designer and whoever you are, whatever I work with is, you know, we're all on the same level. I don't care whether you're a junior or a creative director or an art director, you know, it, it, we've all been here, we've all done this, you know, and that's one side of design and the kind of design industry that I don't like where we get a little bit kind of snooty and snobby mm. and you know, there's that kind of sniggering kind of, you know, I'm this, that, and I've done this and that, and I'm the be all. And I, I just think, you know, keep it how you'd want to be like treated and talked to and kind of keep it on that level. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's how I, I would see it. But yeah, so yeah, me and him, we, we were like grinding at first. He was like battling, like he was and then I just sat back and I just said to myself, right, it's going to go two ways, Joe. You're either going to carry on and get, like, lose it and just, like, be at it with each other. It, it could definitely go that way. Um, or I dropped the ego and actually just listened to what he's saying. Because mm-hmm. what he was saying was like mind blowing, like the way that he spoke about work, how he presented work, the way that he thought about design. And he's, he definitely has been pinnacle in swinging me where I am now. Like that's how big of influence this person has had on the way that I am now. Maybe some for good. He's given me that very strict kind of snappy uh, kind of vibe but again I'm a little bit more softer we always used to play good cop bad cop 
whenever really? he would present, go in and present, he would be a bad cop and I would normally be a good cop. Um, <laughs> both be very firm. And my saying is firm but fair, you know, keeping it like firm. Because again, when you're dealing with clients, again, that's a whole other topic that we can talk about and how to manage clients can be very difficult. Um, but he always had this thing, be firm, but be fair. You know, like you can push back, but you need to push back with some good logic and good reason. That's why I always go back to that. The first thing I said, got to have logic, got to have reason. And then we can talk and we can discuss. But when it comes with, oh, I don't like it because I don't like it or I don't like it because it doesn't work. Well, mm-hmm. we can't work. We can't work on a hypothesis. Again, that's another one of his saying, like, we can't work on ifs, ifs um, buts and maybes. <laughs> we need to work on data. We need to work on patterns. We need to work on existing um resources and examples so that that really drives and yeah as i said like he he definitely kind of instilled a new a new kind of person in me in the way that i approach talk and work through um i'm generally just more of a a friendly kind of bubbly guy you know i can definitely put my foot down when i want to uh, and again, that's another thing with learning as you go through, especially as you start to progress into senior designers, you get people poking their fingers in and, you know, trying to uh, rework or come with things that you don't think are right. It's, it's about being like kind of mature to kind of go, OK, so what are you suggesting? Why do you think it's going to be better? Where can you show me that the, what you're suggesting is going to be better rather than just be like, yeah, OK, I'll do it. Um but then there's also times where you do have to do that, where you just go, look, do you know what? I'm going to do it. Because sometimes, <laughs> you know, you land up battling over stuff. Uh, and again, you know, it's with experience learning when to push back and when to kind of try and battle that design decision that you've made. <laughs> when you've got like 10 people standing around the screen, all like, oh, yeah, I think you should do this. I think you should do this. And I'm just like, I think you should leave uh... me alone. <laughs> yeah (laughs) i've gone through this these are the reasons listen uh yeah so yeah again there's this like lots of kind of dynamics to these these kind of situations going back to to what you said about um the the confidence part where there's the confidence part when it comes to um like financial and then there's the confidence part of um, speaking up or uh, defending something or not really being confrontational, but just like um, being willing to actually like make a noise and say something back to yeah. somebody. Um, I think that there's the aspect of um, there's confidence, but I think there's also something that's connected to that. And I don't know if this is an Emily thing. I don't know if this is an American thing or something like that, but a lot of people um, it's either shy or sometimes it's fear of repercussions. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that because um, uh, I, I know so many people that have asked for jobs and then they just get the response of like, screw you, you're fired type thing. Um, so, so that happens too, um, uh, to a point that um, I think that in addition to like doing the research and understanding what you're worth and stuff like that, um, sometimes having... I don't know if you guys use this term, but just having like fuck you money 
of like uh, an escape plan of uh, uh, saving, saving up um, so that no matter what happens, you'll be okay. It's hard to do that. Um, and I, I started my, my fuck you fund. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's, there, there's that too. So, so what do you think about that when, when you have these people in either like the financial part or like the relationships with coworkers part where there's, there's shyness, but there's also like fear of just, I have no idea how these people are going to react or anything like that. I don't know if these people are going to hate me if I, if I say something wrong or something like that. Sometimes mm. you get in your head a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think from my perspective, I think, you know, unless you say something really, well, really silly or you come across a way that might be a bit strong or a bit abrupt, I don't think there's really much to worry about unless you're mm-hmm. working with someone that's a complete and utter plonker. <laughs> and they're <laughs> wait, not really wait, a what's nice... A pl- what's a plonker? Like, like someone that's silly, like not really nice, a bit of a plonker. Yeah. Just not really nice person. Um, you know, then that's 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 another scenario in your head. Um, again, I, I think when you're a junior or you're you're more junior or a mid, and you're still conscious of what you're saying, even from myself, because for me, I would just be like, and I'd just I'd just be saying it, and I'd be <laughs> getting in and asking questions of yeah, but why does that work? And like what about this and like kind of a little bit of a kind of tennis match of ideas and getting to a solution and really like kind of me and my boss we would get like we would go back and forth we'd be like trying this do this da, 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 and we kind of get like quite fiery not fiery <laughs> with each other but we're very like no but I think it should be like this because of this da, da, da. like it was a beautiful sweet balance of just no bullshit, just like we're really like we're really solving problems. We're not messing around here. We're not like getting a f- we're not getting upset with each other. But that's because I was working with someone that gave me that ability to. So for for other people, it, it might be a, a bit tricky. But the one thing that I learned over time was to sometimes just. Just. Listen, listen, think about it then think about what you could say and what ideas you might have to come in at a different angle mm-hmm. and, and make sure that when you go, when you're doing that, that you're, act, you're confident in what, what you're going to say, confident in the way that you thought about it enough that you're not just kind of quickly, spontaneously chucking something in there. The, the point that you're making again is valid and it has reason and it has something behind it then this I don't think there's absolutely no reason to panic or have any fear with saying that just just say it as I said if you feel like it's a good idea or it's got something behind it or it's or it's even just a suggestion or an alteration or an alternate option or something else you know really in the in the in the field of of design and UX and UI as I said no idea is is silly or stupid Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone should should just think fuck it I'm gonna say it because you're not saying like oh you're a dickhead and I don't like that and I don't like what you said <laughs> now, that's a bit different you know um, but if you're saying look actually I think this works and it could work and the technique that I use especially with clients is always to 
praise the client first before you tell them that it's not the right thing. So for instance, this is a really good technique to use. And again, I learned this from my boss. Uh, he would say, for instance, client would say, like, oh, I don't really da 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 da. Or, or they would come up with another idea. And they'd say, oh, right, first thing you'd say, this is a re- I love this idea, really nice idea. I think what we're going to do is we can explore that as another alternative. Mm. So again, it, it breaks it out. So it feels like they've taken that and gone like, you know, the idea that they've said or the thing that they've suggested could be really bad. And then mm. later on, you can obviously do like, oh, we tried it, but look, this is why this doesn't work. And then you've got, again, you've got ammunition to explain why that reason works. And then it becomes like, oh, why don't you try that? Because I said it, uh, you can break that down and kind of deflex the com- conversation away instead of you just saying, no, I don't think that's going to work or that's not right. You're, you're starting with a negative. Start, mm. with, start with a positive and then, then go on to then kind of just taper it off because again depending on who you're talking with <laughs> you know <laughs> you tell them no oh, I don't think that worked and then you land up having a big whole round and round circle about why it should work or why it shouldn't work or if there's anything in there that you don't think's right it's like I I I, I struggle with meetings that get a bit like that where it's like look stop trying to solve the problem on the call Mm. like get get the feedback get the opinions and take that away and there's no harm in telling the client oh look I mean it's a great idea I think that's something that could potentially work let's take that away and let's explore that and then we can come back to you with something that's a little bit more solid you know rather than trying to sit there and, and discuss it in detail or if something's getting like elongated in them conversations again i would normally be like look let's just take this one offline and keep the momentum of off the call i think um uh i think a lot about ego a lot um uh and i don't think it's really that bad of a, a thing i know that a lot of people when they talk about it um uh, it's always just like uh don't even have an ego don't uh um like remove it all of this kind of stuff but i i um i had an experience of uh i went from in college living with a bunch of girls all the time and uh the, and this is just my experience and i then i lived two years in a house where i was the only girl um and there was i lived with uh uh four different guys and uh spending that time with them especially during covid when they were like my best friends that i hung out with all the time um, I learned, I saw so much when it came to, um, like not constantly second guessing yourself and, um, uh, like self censoring and all of this kind of stuff. Um, they were just my friends, but, uh, having this ability to just say, Hey, um, me reaching out to this person isn't bothering them. <laughs> like I could just, uh, uh, send them a message and they have the, ability to just not respond or not i'm not being a problem and and i think a lot about ego when it comes to um not uh obviously not thinking that you're always 100 percent right and not being open to anybody else like that's one end of the mm. spectrum but that is not exactly what ego is in my point there's like a whole spectrum for to be on um what, what do you think about that yeah, I mean, ego's always going to play uh, a key factor in what we do, especially when you're dealing with 
people that have been doing things for a long, long time. Uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna come across people that have got an ego. I've probably got an <laughs> ego myself, uh, and I'm learning again how to, you know, take in uh, what other people are saying to you, and that's again another gonna another thing that's gonna be uh, something that you have to work on. You know, you, you're not always right. Your ideas are not always the best. And other people can have an opinion. Um, and I think it's about, as I said, still going back to them kind of fundamentals again, like when people were conversating with you, how how it's been kind of dictated or directed to you, what the information you've been given, and then you know, sometimes listening to parts of it, maybe not listening to all of it, uh, you know, but really like thinking about what's that conversation and, and just trying not to let that ego come across. Um, because I think once you drop that ego a little bit and you become what I would say more collaborative, where it's not, uh, it's not my idea, it's our idea mm. uh, and when you're having conversations it's more about you're not trying to prove me wrong and I'm not trying to prove you right we're just generally having discussions debates and this kind of discovery of the the item and and subject that we're talking about and that's when I think you get better results because you're really kind of working in tune and not kind of against or you, you know you can't, like you said you you might tiptoe in and be like oh yeah but what about this and you <laughs> kind of feel like it's it's the like you're saying the wrong thing or you're pissing that person off or you know these kind of things but that's kind of working relationships and any relationship as you as you build up it's kind of just trying to be a little bit more open when other people say things and give you feedback or advice is kind of you don't have to listen to it all as I said you listen to some of it you listen to the bits that make sense to you you listen to what's what's right for you and don't be afraid to be like no I I, I don't necessarily agree with everything you've said but I do agree with this and I think there's some value in what you've said and I will take that on board um I you know I think just try not to be try not to care what people think ultimately uh as long as you're not you know nasty or rude or horrible you know Mm. you should really have no reason to worry about what people think if you say things that make sense to the project or you you talk in the right way you give good input doesn't necessarily mean you know you have to be the center of that input and you're not it's not it doesn't matter if your input's final or not but you know, keeping that interaction and keeping involved and trying not to worry about what other people think is probably the best thing to do. And mm-hmm. just, you know, be confident in your ability. As I said, have a moment just to sit there and think and then say what you've got to say and 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 just try and, yeah, just try and not worry. I've not really been a worrier. I do worry. I do sometimes I say things, I think, oh, that was a bit, I shouldn't have said that. And maybe I shouldn't have said that and but then you know you've got to you've got to move on and just think yeah look if we're all adult uh we need to we need to understand that sometimes things might be a bit sharp or sometimes people might say things 
in certain ways that you might not like. You know, that's down to you how you want to take that. And I know in some instances it obviously can be very horrible. I remember one of my first bosses, I like almost wanted to quit because it was like horrendous. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can, it, you know, it obviously can put you down a bit. But then you learn, like, you know, that's why for me personally, I prefer direct, straight, no, none of this wiffle waffle or like just give me direction. Tell me where yeah. you want to go. If I'm doing something wrong, just tell me I'm doing it wrong. Like, and and then this comes into more office stuff. You know, some people can be all like, oh, yeah, yeah, all happy and smiley, but actually behind they're saying shit or mm. they're just being a bit, you know, manipulative or they're trying to set you up on things and, you know, work can be like that and people can be a bit like that. But I think with them people, it's just like, always smile always you know always I always say always poke (laughs) you know know, if you know that they're being a bit funny with you then you can just be like more kind of super super placid but like friendly and keep saying things and just you know not not giving them a break (laughs) killing them with kindness (laughs) that that exactly yeah yeah that exactly because as soon as you start to get on that level I mean, it all depends. Sometimes it, it may need it, like, you know, look, come on, just leave it out, leave me alone. I, I know you're trying to rub me up the wrong way, but I'm not really interested. Just leave me alone for a bit. <laughs> um, there, there is something that that's, I think is so beautiful about um, people being direct with you. Um, uh, I think that's probably one of the top things that I... Uh, um, value even in just my relationship of um, uh, just not really having to waste all of this energy trying to decipher what things mean or um, what, how this person actually feels. Uh, sometimes even in, in freelancing, uh, people want things to be done the most efficiently, quickest, everything like that. And the way that I talk to people that I'm working with, um, it it's just so therapeutic to just be like okay here's my task list let's just like be very clear about what you want all of this kind of stuff everything's in writing everything's recorded and everything like that um and then in in my relationship it's like uh that thing that you said hurt my feelings oh really and like it's within like a couple minutes of it happening it's not like months later it, it becomes this giant giant thing yeah so that that's something that's that I think is a, a really beautiful thing, especially for long lasting or, or healthy relationships with anybody. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I think what you said, yeah, is, is definitely right. It's just being, just being open and honest about it. And I understand I'm, I'm very like that. Like if I'm pissed off, I'll let you know that I'm pissed off. You'll know that I'm pissed <laughs> off. And it'll be like, it'll be like, cool, we'll just leave Joe alone. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's why that is good. Yeah. Because otherwise yeah. you can you could kind of shield it, talk to that person in a way that they might not like mm-hmm. like, or they might think, oh, he's being really funny, or like he's being a knob. Like he's being yeah. a proper knob. <laughs> like it'd be better just to say, listen, sorry, but I've got the right fucking arm. Just <laughs> just, just don't even talk to me. Like I'm not interested mm-hmm. at the moment. You know, just being a bit direct. Look, this is what I want you to do. Can you just go and do this, mm-hmm. and just be whatever moments that I need. 
so yeah being being direct is is i definitely think is the way with with all of it uh the only problem with being direct sometimes is how people can take mm-hmm. that directness and again mm-hmm. it goes back to that point like you need to understand that you're an adult mm-hmm. you're going to be in situations where adults lose their temper a little bit and things get a little bit more fiery mm-hmm. um and don't take it personally mm-hmm. so important don't take it personally if two of you have a disagreement and you're like no I don't think you should be like that and voice, voices get raised a little bit but I oh, know I think you should do it like this or da, da, da. you know mm-hmm. you know how it can get like that especially because people get precious um you know don't walk away from that and be like ah. Oh, like that was like you know oh why, why did I do that or you know don't don't do that mm-hmm. best thing to do if you feel like you really felt like you said something wrong or you felt like the situation just got a little bit heavy best thing to do leave it for the day mm-hmm. drop them in the morning to say look do you want to grab a coffee and just have a little chat and just say yeah. that it's all you know again just being upfront and honest you know I'm sorry I, I probably was a bit bit loud or I was a bit bit fierce and I shouldn't have said that or whatever whatever the thing is that you felt that you shouldn't have done and nine times like they said negative like most people are, oh no don't be silly like you know you didn't it was just it was just a situation mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of realizing that you're an adult in an adult environment and everyone's not going to be talking to you like oh yes yeah, so what would you like to do oh lovely what a <laughs> lovely you know people, people, <laughs> It's not. It's not like that, you know. We we got. We're all humans, you know. Some of us are having good days. Some of us are having bad days. Uh, something's not going right for something. A client's giving me grief, or someone's fucked up something, and I've mm-hmm. got now rectify it. And you catch me at the wrong time, and I just go look, uh, you know. And you'd be like, oh, uh, you know. And if if that happened, if I've done that, then I would cool down a little bit give it a bit of time and then I would be like I'm sorry for like giving you a bit of shit the other day you just caught me at the wrong time yeah you know most adultly thing would be like no that's cool thanks for letting me know and I appreciate that and again that just keeps that good relationship where I almost feel like you can have a bit of a row with your colleagues I'm not saying (laughs) you should when as I said when things get more heated and debates and arguments are going around what things you should be doing and how you should be doing things I think that to being able to do that in a adult way and respectable way mm-hmm. is a very very good skill to learn because you really learn how to control yourself because sometimes you could be like well you know like I don't like you could lose it depending on what mm-hmm. your character is I mean there could be people that be just very quiet and don't really say anything and <laughs> you know I, I'd on the flip side but I think yeah just uh it's it's sometimes good to understand that limit that boundary and and just kind of yeah not not worry about it I think uh one thing that I experienced when I was um I think I was 15 or so um this this phrase developed that I decided that it's not that I didn't care about what other people thought um, it's that I decided that I wasn't really afraid of it anymore and I think yeah. there's a yeah I think there's a big difference between like not caring um, because it's I'm always gonna care <laughs> I'm always gonna yeah, like cool. especially if like I love this person or um, I I value them or something like that um, but uh, the 
the thing that that you said that I really connected with, especially since I went through this recently, um, is uh, if you're you're having a conflict with somebody, it's so easy or it's so like tempting to want to like lean into the um, well, screw you too, like <laughs> that thing, and um, it's it's really hard to um, uh, stay in the just being respectful and kind all the time mm. um but i think you learn with time that um this is something that that you need to do all the time and also mm. pre- preparing for these kinds of things because it's not going to be like the only time you're ever going to be in this situation and and like maybe it's the scope of a project just having it on a contract so you can say like excuse me sir this is not part of yeah, this, this contract yeah. yeah. And it's it's definitely uh for someone who's uh on the scale of disagreeable to agreeable, I think I'm probably more on the agreeable side. Like I want everybody to get along. I always want to please and stuff like that. Mm. And it's totally fine to be like that. Um, but uh you're not a bad person if you stand your ground over something, especially if it's been agreed upon and now it's all of a sudden it's changing. It's changing, yeah. Yeah. And I always say, you know, uh, you you can't you can't challenge if you agree, <laughs> and <laughs> and challenging and uh, offering up different options, opinions, views is ultimately what makes good thinking, mm-hmm. good design thinking, good creative thinking. You know, them ideas didn't just come. This is the idea done. You know. It went through numerous rounds of interrogation. It went through a process to tell the story. You know, there was people that were coming in with their ideas. Maybe it should do this. Maybe it should do that. You know, if you didn't have any of that and you all just went, oh, yeah, we love that. That's great. Ship it out. You know, <laughs> it's, it, it hasn't had that tender love and care that it needs. Mm-hmm. You know, as they say, blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. Blood, sweat, and tears do go into projects because people get really passionate. People want to <laughs> push themselves. People want to create crazy shit, or people want to impress people. So mm-hmm. there's a lot on the line, and depending on who you're working with and how big their ego is, and whether they're allowed, <laughs> whether they can shift their ego. I yeah. call it shifting my ego. For the moment, I will shift <laughs> my ego when someone goes, okay, I think you should do this. I will listen. I will analyze. And then I will either rebuttal or I will go, actually, that's a really good idea. And I will mm-hmm. agree. And, yeah. and I think that's the way that, that more designers should be. Don't just be a yes man. And again, that's another one of my sayings. Don't be a yes man. Don't, yes, yes. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's good. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Because you're not really, again, with design and design thinking and UX and UI, it's all about that. You need to have someone to kind of counter what you're doing. There's no mm-hmm. point in me coming over. If, if I'm the creative director, you're a junior or a midway, you come here, you've done six screens for me, and I look at them and I go, yeah, they're great. And you go, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're great. And then you're like, okay, great. There was nothing really that was learned from that situation. There was, you know, like we could talk about it and we could have conversations about things and none of it might change, 
but we've opened up conversations where you might have learned something or you might have saved something for another time or something was said or a, a, a kind of way that that answer was put to you was really good. And you think, oh, yeah, I could, I can definitely use that. And that's why the beauty of that conversation is, is, is all about that moment because, you know, there's probably lots of things that come from it. Um, and I used to just do it to my boss because he would do it to me. And he always used to come back with really good answers. <laughs> and I'd be like, shit, he's done it again. And he always used to say to me, Joe, I'm always right, okay? And I'm like, ah, oh, don't say that. And I would try, I would always try and catch him out. But he he just used to have these sweet responses. Or but the way or the way that he would prepare. Like mm-hmm. the way that we presented this work for Honda. We, we was working on this pitch for Honda and we was working on a brief. And he literally split the brief out and tied it next to the designs in the Figma board and like highlighted each of their requirements so that when he was talking through it, he could literally reference their brief mm. to the to the things that they had asked for, to the ideas that they suggested, so that there was no way that they could wriggle out of it and say, oh, yeah, but we wanted this or we said this or this and this but then what he also did is he backed that up with all of the data that he grabbed so he then put data next to it so we had the designs brief and then we had data and when he went through each of the modules and each of the sections the client at the end when there was like feedback no feedback they, they, they were so not pigeonholed, but they'd been so well rounded off and it had been delivered in such a way that the, 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 the feedback was mainly just subjective and there wasn't any feedback that was like, this is wrong, this needs to change, we was thinking about this, this and that, because we just mapped it out in such a way. And it was like, I remember the first time he did it and I was like, and he'd come off the court and he was like, see how easy that was? And I was like, yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) We just like, you just completely just cornered off any objections. And that's a really good way of kind of presenting your work or thinking about your work, really thinking about the brief, putting the brief with that, looking at the requirements, lining it up in the design file and then doing the data part, which it was like an added thing where he really found some data that drove this is why we did it like this. Because when we looked at the data, when we scanned from your hot jar and we saw all of these clicks and motions and da 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 da, we found this data da, 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 dropping off here or doing this and da da da. And it was it was it was just like poetry when he was going through it, and it was just like, oh, this is just so sweet. Um, and then yeah, I, I just kind of picked up that approach as well. It's like going in that meticulous way, and it does help. I mean, you still you're still going to get some people saying stuff, you you, you know. There's always going to be someone that says something. <laughs> some people also just say something just to have said something. To feel like they, yes. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, they, and and that's fine. I don't actually mind them, people, uh, unless again, I've had people when they do that and they just say something and they're just like, oh my god, <laughs> why have you said that? Or like someone in your own team will trip you up and say something or suggest something that you're like, why have you just said that? Like, honestly, like, (laughs) 
you know, like they're, they're like someone in your own team. That's normally when it like I'd get annoyed. Like for instance, someone in your own team questioning the work that you've done or suggesting uh... something when they when we've had pre discussions before a call and then they do it on the call. And my motto is never suggest anything to the client on a call. And if Without, you do suggest, yeah. if you do suggest, you say maybe we could mm. do. We need to look into this. You don't ever say, yeah, we can do that because you've just sold it and you've just said that you're going to do it. And that's about being smart, thinking about what they're asking again, going back to that thing that I said, just taking a moment. What have they asked me? Okay, that's not in scope or that's not right. You know, we're going to have to think about that. Uh, we're going to have to come back to you with an answer. Not trying to answer that there and then sometimes is, is always the be- is a better way of getting out of it. We'll, we'll come back to you on that, actually. Uh, we, need to, we need to see. Like they might say, oh, but we thought you was going to do this. And actually, you followed what they do. You need to go back now and re- re-reference what you've done. Like you said, being prepared, having your contract, doing an SOW, statement of work making sure everything's listed out item by item, showing them your process on design. You get three rounds of review on the concepts. You get three rounds of review on build. You get three rounds of review. Anything after design sign off, uh, unless it's minimal, small changes to discretion, uh, changing content imagery and colors and little things like that, little tweaks, anything structural or deemed bigger than what has been signed off design is out of scope. Mm. that's how I do it and I list it out like that and I just say you know if you come to me in build and you say actually I want to like redo this and build this out I'm like well that's 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 additional that's because we've gone through that process and the process is once you sign off design you know that's that's how it should be built when I hear you say that like everything that you've been talking about from the the confidence aspect between all of these different points that we've gone through um to me it seems like like doing all of that preparation whether it's understanding what you're worth and compared to the role that you're in um preparing for the client uh inter- the, the client call and and going every through everything that they requested and making it super simple to understand and everything like that all of that work that you do before you bring it up to somebody i don't find that um very confrontational or rude or dickish or anything like that no. that some people no. who who are like much more agreeable may may think that oh my gosh i'm being such a dick doing this or or like i'm so self-centered or i have such an ego like i don't see it that way at all and i don't think you do either um i actually instead the time that you take to to prepare all of that um i see that as incredibly respectful of this other person's time yeah and i i think ultimately people need uh boundaries and you need to set them boundaries um Mm -hmm. I think again with a, with being a freelancer, you get to dictate how you want to work, and you should not be afraid of telling your clients, "This is how we work. This mm-hmm. is how I want you to give feedback. This is how we go through the process. These are the steps that we go. This is how many reviews you get." It's not being a dick. It's being organized and being prepared and really showing the client that 
you have a tried and tested process that works because mm-hmm. you're the one that's defining it. And this, again, it's going to come with time. It's going to be something that you're going to have to go through. But, you know, I'm I, I'm at that stage now where it's like, if, if you want to work with me, you need to you need to really kind of have, you need to do your bit. You need to do your bit with me to, to get this going. And you, we need to follow the, the process. Um, and I need to outline everything to you so you know the process um otherwise you just open yourself to so much trouble mm-hmm. so much trouble <laughs> you know uh client giving you feedback some way doing like dribs and drabs or you know not giving them a, you know the right amount of time that they need to feedback on and you know there's just so many things that could go wrong um and even when you do give them like more set kind of this is how it's going to be you know it can still it can still slip off the rails um and it has done recently before one project and it did definitely get a bit frisky uh where i was like uh, i had to kind of really put my foot down um and the feedback was just very particular and just like like 15 16 different changes every round and it was just like Oh, I was like, my head was exploding, you know, that pressure of it, like, just like, no more, no more, no more, more, please stop, stop, stop. Um, And it just kept coming and coming and coming. And I was just like, oh, and then it was back and forth. And then we got in build and there was things changing in build. And it was just like, oh, no, this is never going to end. I was just like, it's never going to end. But I managed to to get through it. I stronged it. I, I did come in strong. We got into a bit of a disagreement, but the next day we got on a phone call and we just ironed it out and got on with it like adults. Um, mm-hmm. And we kind of made a little bit of a, I feel like a bit of a bond, like a little bit of a blowout. And then we kind of came a little bit more close because we got over that. Uh, and again, that's why I say sometimes these disagreements are not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's really about building that, yeah, that relationship with someone and, if you can work with someone when they're a knob, people can. <laughs> you know, now and then people can be knobs or, you know, or you don't get upset when they're upset, you know, and you don't take it personally, like I said before, mm-hmm. then you've got someone that you can, you can work with because you know what they're like when they're happy and you know what they're like when they're sad and you kind of, you know them a bit more as a person and you can deal with that. But then obviously there's some people that you're just like, no, I can't, I can't work with you. I can't work with you. And, and then that goes on to the other point is like, just don't be afraid to say no. Uh, don't try and take everything on. If, you, if you've got a feeling that you don't like this client or the, I can normally tell, I mean, I can normally tell when people email me that, how they talk straight away. I can be mm-hmm. like, or I don't like the way that they're talking. I want this or oh, this and that. And, you know, you kind of like, mm, you know, I, I think that comes down to obviously now where I am in, in my career and my position where I'm like, I don't, I don't need to work with you. You, you want to work. I want people that want to work with me mm-hmm. and they want to work with me because they know what I do is a, a very good standard where in the beginning or someone earlier in that process probably doesn't have that kind of uh opportunity to be able to go oh yeah I can just pick and choose who I want to work with 
Um, but even at that stage, sometimes if you sense that someone is going to be over controlling a bit of a knob or hard work, it's probably best to just pass it on. And you've got to gauge that yourself when you're doing emails, maybe jumping on a call with them. Do you like them as a person? Do you think that you could work with them? And, you know, again, you'd probably look at other things like how much they're actually paying you, whether you could afford to put up with their noise, um, all of these other things. And again, it's just, again, one of them things you've got to time and just dealing with different people and knowing what your limit is and also how much you're willing to take <laughs> shit for I'm like yeah is this two grand worth of shit worth taking mm, I don't know. <laughs> five grand ten grand or oh, okay I think I could take a bit of shit for ten grand you know <laughs> everybody uh, has their price <laughs> well, exactly and, and again working with these people is also as I said good because it learns you dealing with these kind of people and then over time you can really identify these kind of people and you can be like no I definitely don't want to work with these kind of people or you can be like I know exactly how to manage this kind of person so that when you work with another kind of person like that it's a little bit easier and you kind of know what to expect and you kind of know when to zen out at certain points like when you get really shit feedback and you just take a deep breath and just be like breathe <laughs> and respond uh so yeah i uh, i have one last question for you before we wrap up um yep. and this kind of has to do with um with what exactly we're talking about now um i remember when i was growing up there was like and this is like very high school girl of me to say um but there was all this stuff online about like like how to be a good boyfriend or how to like all of this kind of stuff. But there was like nothing online about like how to be a good girlfriend for some reason, which is what I was trying to be. Um, And so when, when I see online about like all these stuff about how to work well with a client um, from the, the, the designer or developer standpoint, there's all of this stuff out there, but there's not really, I don't see a lot out there about how to be a good client. Like if your goal is to work with this developer designer and get as much out of the project and be efficient and, and to have a good relationship with them, um, what would you advise someone to be if they've never worked on this kind of project before? They, they don't know what's acceptable or anything like that. That, I think that's uh, I think that's obviously a, a, a tricky one because yeah, you could be working with a, a variety of different people, some that have absolutely no knowledge of what you do. Yeah. Um, and I will say them kind of people are going to be very tricky to work with. Um, I think you're going to have people that know what they're doing, but want to dictate exactly what they want. Uh, shouldn't it? I don't, I don't know. When a client has or thinks that they know what they want too strongly or they're like very adamant on something that's a little bit like alarm bells for me Mm. I think if you're coming to me for creative and you're coming to me for something that's different then you need to let me do what I do otherwise if you limit that it's only going to limit the result and where we could potentially go with it 
Um, but it is it is tricky, and I th- with with clients, I think it's really about what we said earlier: getting them on board a process on your process, setting in your terms. You want to work with me? You this is how I work. Um, I'm not working to this time frame. I need longer, uh, and that's that's probably one of the things that I hate the most is clients and they're like, yeah, I want it tomorrow. And I'm like, you can't get it tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, but one, it's just not realistic or two weeks or three weeks. Look, don't get me wrong. Webflow design, all of these things can, you can get it done in that space of time. You can get it done quickly, but that kind of annoys me a little bit when people are like, mm-hmm. oh, I can build a website in an hour or five hours or whatever. I don't really care if you can build it in an hour. Like, show me craft, show me fault, show me reason, show me something that is really taking your time to get through that. Like, I could spend three days building, animating and bringing that whole one page to life three days on one page, just one page, or designing and spending a, like two days on concepts, just on concepts, you know, and then spending a further three or four days on designing out all of the other pages. Mm-hmm. Again, slow down. It's not a race. You know, take your time. Go through. Ask yourself the right questions. You know, you can still be direct. Like, again, I'm very, like, I'm very confident in my decisions and my design decisions that I make. That I can be like, boom put it down and I can be I can crack through things really quickly and really efficiently and really at a higher standard again mm-hmm. that again it goes back all time and and all practice but you know that's that's kind of what you what you've got to do you know mm-hmm. um I just yeah I'm just trying to I've 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 done it again. I've I've completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like um, not being stuck. Like, be, if this is something that you've never done before, you've never made a website, you never worked with somebody who knows how to make websites mm. or anything like that, or experiences. Um, just being open to understanding, like, how does this person work? What kind of time do they need? Hey, maybe mm. rushing them to half of the time that they normally work, you're not going to get the best thing out of them. No. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of spurred me back onto that track, actually. Uh, yeah, I, I think with the with the timing thing, like I, I push back on a lot of clients. I mean, I, I won't even respond to some clients when they say they need a site done like in four weeks. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to work like that. I don't yeah. want to rush. You know, I want clients that want to go through the process and want to get something at the end, which is like none of their competitors mm. or it's unique it's different you know and I think rushing you're only going to get something that's kind of it cookie cutter mm-hmm. you know you need to explore you need to try things you need to push the boundaries and I think going quickly it's it's no fun you know mm-hmm. I like to just do something and then leave it for a day or two and then come back to it or you know, and then I'll be like, oh, or like I'll be leaving it, and then I'll be like, my brain will be going, and they'll be like, Phew. and then the next time I come back to it, I'm like, oh. you know, I've got, <laughs> I've got ammo, 
I'm like back in again. I'm like, you know, but imagine if you're like, right, okay, you've got to do, you've got to do design in a week. That means you've got what you got, you got one week and you've got to do the concepts, do the design and get everything ready for you to build. That's like, it's, it's not, it's not like I can't do it. I could do it easily, but it's just like unnecessary pressure where you just got to get everything and then you got like, then you got a week to build it. You know, and, and with building, you like you need to take your time. You need to think about the build system that you're creating, what classes you're creating, combo classes, where you might use other classes. Obviously, things like client first from FinSuite is is mm-hmm. obviously like for someone that doesn't hasn't built their own system up, which effectively, uh, uh, as I've said uh, on one of my tweets about the client first, is very similar to the way that I build things out. And obviously, if you take in the course, you'll see that the way that I create the global classes and I use the global classes and and trying to limit the amount of things that I'm creating and and really going through it slowly. Like I will build things out and then I'll be like, shit, I'm sure I did something else that I could use somewhere else. And then I'm uh-huh. like, I might rebuild it again. So I've got that like you need to take your time and all this talk about, you know, quick, quick, quick. Yeah, quick's good if you need to get it out quickly, but if you don't need to be out, be you don't have to get it out quickly. Don't rush. Mm-hmm. Take your time. Crassinate, crassinate, you know. <laughs> Turn your head to the side a little bit. Do the designer, you know, head to the side, move forwards, move backwards in your chair, <laughs> pull up some references, uh, leave it for a day, leave it for two days, you know, leave it for three days. If you're stuck on something, just leave it. You know, don't feel like you need to, you know, do it there and then. And I think that's why you should always give your time. So, yeah, be strict with the time. I think that um, uh, uh, sleep and fresh eyes work wonders <laughs> mm. <Totally. laughs> when it comes to that kind of stuff. But um, I... I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being willing to hang out with me for two hours. It it really means a lot. And I, I had a lot of fun and I love your British slang. <laughs> and uh, it was it was really nice to spend time with you. Um, uh, I think that there are so many people that will be able to get a lot out of this in terms of the, the confidence aspect, in terms of different things about their career, uh, even just like being a person in general in any relationship that you, you'd have um, of any kind of relationship. So th- thank you so much for, for doing this. No worries. It's a pleasure. <laughs> it's been really enjoyable. I think overall there was some good stuff in there, like you said. So the, the way that, that I end the podcast uh, every time is uh, I reintroduce myself and I say who I am and where people can find me. And then we'll finish up with you and you'll say who you are, what you do and where people can find you. And then we'll book in the podcast and head out of here. Does that sound good? Yep. Sweet. All righty. Perfect. All right. So, um, hi, <laughs> my name is Emily Giordano. I am a, uh, uh, Webflow developer, UX designer person. And, uh, I, I absolutely love what I do. There's, there's so many people out there that have been improving me and showing me all of these different things that can, you can do, whether it's Joseph talking about all of the, the different animations that you can do that I didn't even know were possible, or whether it's like 
my friend uh, Connor Flanason, who's talking about all of these different integrations you can do. There's there's really anything you can do under the sun. So if you want to be friends, if you want to talk on the podcast, um, if you have a project that maybe you'd like to work on or something like that, um, you can email me. My uh, email is emily, E-M-I-L-Y, at greatdesignlead.com. Uh, that's my website, greatdesignlead.com. There's also my Instagram my little YouTube channel that I do for fun as a hobby. Um, and I, I think I'm also on Twitter. All of that is going to be in the description um, below. So you don't have to worry about spelling or anything like that. Um, but yeah, that that's who I am. Um, we'll finish up with Joseph. Then we'll head out of here. Great. Yeah. Fine enough. Finishing off, <laughs> I should say. Sorry. <laughs> yes, it's Joseph Berry. Yeah. And you can, you can obviously find me with uh, josephberry.webflow.io. Um, I'm sure if you type my name into Google, uh, you can definitely find uh, a lot of stuff on me. Obviously, I'm on AAW Awards. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and I think, yeah, if you if you pretty much just type in my name, Joseph Berry, uh, you'll you'll be able to find me somewhere in the world of the web. Um, and Emily, thanks for having me on on the call. Hopefully, I haven't rambled on too much. Uh, I know you said you like my British slang. I've tried to bring a little bit of that. <laughs> the US side. so um yeah i will stay in touch and we'll 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 speak soon i look forward to seeing you post the podcast out <laughs> absolutely and uh i always uh end the same way to let you know that the door's always open to come back on uh and so uh, i guess this is just goodbye until next time thank you <laughs>